Thank you for listening to our new sermon series, Don't Quit. In the midst of a changing world where darkness grows more each day, Jesus is the reason we do not give up or give in. Jesus is our victory. Amen. Ron, we're thankful for you and uh, for your life. I think next Sunday we're going to have you lead singing, okay? All right? And... Um, I, I had forgotten that. I had seen that video, but I had forgotten that, uh, that he had uh, led music. And so uh, what a testimony of just the faithfulness of God. Forty-four years is, uh, is just an amazing, an amazing feat, but it's the goodness of God and his grace in, uh, in our lives. And so I look forward to this coming as we really kind of uh, really ramp up for our 45th anniversary, already a plug for next year. We're going to have uh, Dwight Tomlinson with us, the founding pastor. He's going to be uh, flying over from China uh, to be with us, and we'll do a uh, we'll, we'll have a three day meeting with him over the weekend and a nice dinner and a banquet. Uh, but as we lead up to that, we're going to uh, we're going to be uh, just watching uh, these different uh, stories. And uh, so if if Mike does reach out to you and, uh, and you'd like you'd be willing to do something like that, it doesn't have to be that long. Uh, it can be shorter, but just be willing to testify. Uh, to the to, to to the goodness of the Lord, and uh, I know that it would be it would be great. Well, we we've got a great we've got a great great day today, and uh, I, I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to preaching here this morning. We're going to be uh, we're going to be preaching on uh, the one that is revealed, and uh, we're going to be preaching on the one that has done amazing miracles and signs and wonders. Who do you think we're going to be talking about here this morning? Wrong. The Antichrist. I set you up a little bit. Take your Bibles, turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to remain uh, in our series this morning. I just felt the Lord uh, having me uh, do that. I look forward to preaching uh, next week with kind of a uh, kind of tie into fathers, but it'll, it'll apply to all. But I just sense the Lord telling us to, to stay in our in our series. And so uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, you can grab one of the, uh, the Bibles there in the chair in front of you. And if you turn to page 1,666, now that is fitting for this text, right? 666, as uh, we look in on on the Antichrist. And uh, I'm not sorry that I set you up. I knew you'd say Jesus. And as we all would, uh, I tried it on Mike this week in the, in the offices, and he's like, oh, you got to do it to our people. So if you, felt, if you felt slighted, it's his fault. He's the one that told me to do it, okay? And uh, no, appreciate, uh, appreciate him. So this, we're, we're going to stay in our series this morning of Don't Quit and how Jesus is our victory uh, as, we, as we go verse by verse through this, uh, through this book of the Bible. And this morning, uh, we're going uh, to look at the topic of the Antichrist and how he exalts himself. Uh, we sang that song about how Christ is exalted. I, I requested that song uh, here this morning. But, but we're going to see how the Antichrist exalts himself and, uh, uh, here this morning. Let's notice verse number one. Again, if you need the, uh, the, the, the Bible there in your seat, it's going to be page 1,666. Verse number one of 2 Thessalonians 2, it says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. First that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, 
the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he is God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. And he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Let's ask the Lord one more time to, to bless this, this, this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And Lord, I thank you for uh, the testimony that we uh, just heard of, uh, of Ron and uh, his faithfulness, because you've been faithful to him, because your grace has been uh, sufficient and evident in his life. And uh, Lord, I'm thankful to be able to call him a friend and to be able to be his pastor, because he's been here for 44 years. And God, we're just thankful that you've been exalted this morning and uh, through song and uh, through praise. And uh, Lord, as we see here in this text where the Antichrist is going to try to exalt himself, uh, Lord, we're thankful that you are exalted over all and that you have a name that is above all names and that your Father, God the Father, has exalted you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us this morning, help me to preach your word. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we start, here's what I want you to think about. I want, to th I want you to think about what wears you out. What is it that, that, that wears you out? It's, uh, we're going to stay in the, the theme of our, uh, of our series of, of wanting to quit and wanting to throw in the towel. And so what is it that, that causes you to wear out? What is it that causes you to want to quit? Might it be dealing with rebellious sons or daughters? Maybe dealing with a difficult colleague at work? Or maybe it's trying to do something for Christ and experiencing opposition at every turn. Or even yet, it might be something that you're struggling within. Maybe it's, that, maybe it's the sin that, that, that you've been battling and you've been tempted with in your life. And you might wonder, what is going on in side of me. This chapter, this chapter of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it gives us wisdom in discerning the battle in which you and I face. It gives us the inside story of what is really going on behind the scenes. See, if you and I are going to stay the course, if you and I are going to not wave the right flag and we're going to not quit, then you and I need to understand the battle. God speaks to us about this in Scripture. God, in Scripture, he, he lifts the veil, so to speak, that's covering the activity of these unseen forces and that are in the spiritual realm. The, I would say probably the best used or maybe the best known passage uh, referring to this would be Ephesians 6.12. It says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I want us to, we awake this morning? I want us to read that verse together. Ready, begin. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Hear me. 
People are not your problem. Say that with me. People are not your problem. Ah, let's just say something else. Not my problem. Ready? Begin. People are not my problem. It sometimes seems like it is. Seems like that person is the problem. But Paul says our struggle, it's not, it's not against flesh and blood. It's not something necessarily that, that, that you can touch. And hear me, if you and I don't understand that, we're not going to understand the battle. We're not going to win often in this battle in which we live. If you're worn out with battling a rebellious child, you and I need to understand that there is that, that, that there's something behind their rebellion. There's something unspiritual. There's some unspiritual forces that are at work. If you're struggling with a way that, uh, that, that certain people do business, maybe in your industry, you're going to have to understand that there's spiritual forces that are at work behind the scenes. If you're struggling with your very own sin, you need to know what's going on inside of you so that you're not going to necessarily... So many people say, oh, I just I, I hate myself. No, 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 no. You need to hate your flesh. You need, to, you need to, to hate the devil and the forces that are around you. Spiritual forces are at work in this world. Forces that are uniquely expressed in one man who's going to appear on the scene at the second coming of Christ. But that battle is going to intensify as we move closer and closer to when we see Jesus Christ. I want to say, first of all, here this morning as we kind of go through this text, the rumor the rumor. Look at verse number one of our text. It says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto you, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as that the day of Christ is at hand. Word had gotten around in the church that Jesus Christ had he had already returned. Now, it's not, it's not a blatantly obvious what, in a sense, that might have, might have meant. It might have meant that people had denied the doctrine of the second coming of the Lord. Oftentimes, when people deny the second coming of Christ, often you'll hear them you know, say things like, you know, the second coming of Jesus was fulfilled at the coming of the Holy Spirit when He came and He empowered you know, empowered the church. That suggestion has often been made by many people. You can find the books that are a dime a dozen. But it's not clear necessarily how even these ideas um, kind of got around the church. It seems that different people picked it up in different ways. Our text tells us that some were by a word, or you and I would maybe say a, a prophecy of today. Someone might come along and they would say, hey, God gave me a word. God, God spoke to me and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prophesy here this morning. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reveal this morning that Jesus has already come. Someone had been potentially doing that. But Paul is saying here, nor, nor by word. Okay, uh, It may have been a forged letter. Someone that signed Paul. And this says, nor by letter as from us. This letter was maybe supposed by the Apostle Paul and says, no, 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 the Lord, he, He's already come. 
And simply, when you see the word uh, report in the text, it's kind of what maybe the, what I'm using now is maybe what we would call a rumor. And this had, this had shaken. This had shaken the early believers there. I'll be honest with you, it's not surprising that it would have. If it was really true, what Paul, if it was really true that Jesus Christ had already come back, then listen, the first letter to the Thessalonians would have been very disheartening if he had already come back. We see in 1 Thessalonians 4, it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Those of us that believe in a rapture, in the pre-tribulation rapture, cling to those verses. And this would have been a letter to the, to, to the early church here at Thessalonica. And now, Paul is he's addressing this rumor. Because this clearly had not happened yet. So if Paul was now saying this, if Paul had written a letter or if Paul had given this new word of prophecy, then it was going to be undermining his apostolic authority of Scripture. And listen, it was going to rupture the, the faith of every one of those believers there. Like, well, why did I miss it? He talked about the Lord coming. and talked about us going to meet Him in the air. I'm still here on this earth. So this entire chapter... Paul is writing to straighten out the record. There was a rumor going around. Jesus had already come. He already came in the person of the Holy Spirit. But let me notice, secondly in our text here, we see the reply. It says in verse number 3, let no man deceive you by any means. He had kind of talked about some of those means earlier on. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. See, the day of the Lord had not yet come, because the first thing that's going to happen is there's going to be a rebellion that comes on this world. Now, I know you look on the landscape and you say, yeah, there's a rebellion, and no doubt there is, but this second portion has not taken place, okay? There's not, the Antichrist has not been revealed, Okay? Well, on the day of the Lord, uh, notice this, uh, Christ is going to uh, ultimately take care of this Antichrist, verse number 8, and then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So this man must come on the scene before the day of the Lord. We need to know something about this man of sin. Who is he? What is he like? What can, we, what can we learn from some of the description here? Uh, we're going to spend actually a couple weeks kind of giving us an understanding uh, after, after Father's Day, kind of dive in here a little bit more. But, but what does he do? And what does all of this have to do with us? What does it have to do with a present series on not quitting? Well, at first glance, I'll be honest with you, it looks very distant from us. It looks far from us. But I want you to see that this has everything to do with the battles and the struggles that you're facing today. So I want to encourage you this morning, if you're not much of an end times person, you don't really, you don't really work. Some of you, you eat it up and you love it, okay? I'm going to spend a couple weeks here for you all, okay? Coming after Father's Day. But some of you, you're like, yeah, I don't worry about that. 
don't tune me out. Because you, we need this text this morning. There's so much that we can glean for our Monday morning commute if you have one tomorrow. Okay, and so we've seen the rumor, the reply. I want us to notice thirdly here, the resume of the Antichrist. The man of sin is a person who will appear on the scene shortly before the day of the Lord. Evil and human religion against God will reach its climax in this person and through his, through his leadership. Now, we're told a couple things about this man. We're told that he has a coming, that he will, that, that, that he will arrive onto the scene. 2 Thessalonians 2.9, even him whose coming is after the work of Satan. So he's not here now, but he has a coming. He, he, he's, going, he's going to come, okay? And then we also see in our text that he is revealed. It says in verse number three, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed. The son of perdition. You know what else the Antichrist does? The Antichrist uses counterfeit miracles and things like that of signs and wonders. Again, in verse number 9, it says, with all power and signs and lying wonders. And so when you hear the word, I already set you up with it. When you hear the word of someone's coming here to the earth and someone being revealed and someone doing miracles and signs and wonders, who do you think of? Come on. You think of Jesus, right? We think of Jesus, right? Yeah, that's what we think of. Of course you do. These words are a great significance because they're all relating to our Lord Jesus Christ as well. 2 Thessalonians 2.8 The Lord shall consume with the spirit of His mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of His coming. Of course, this is His second coming. His first coming was a babe in a manger, Right? Uh, God, the God-man wrapped in uh, humanity and flesh. And it says in verse number 7 of our text, and to you who are troubled, in chapter 1, excuse me, with us when the Lord shall be revealed. And then who was the one that performed miracle after miracle and wonder after wonder upon this earth? And that is, of course, Jesus Christ. True miracles and signs and what he's still doing in lives today. So the man of sin, he's going to be a parody of Christ. That's why he's called, in other passages, we'll look there in just in a moment, he's called the Antichrist. He's the, he's the antithesis, so to speak, of Jesus Christ and everything that he is. And so when the Apostle Paul, excuse me, when John writes about the Antichrist, he calls him that in 1 John 2.18, little children. It is the last time, and as ye have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Again, this is, we're talking future stuff. I get that, but stay locked in. It, it, it is so important that we understand this. William Hendrickson, oh, he gives us some great words in his book. It says, Satan cannot become incarnate, but he would like to imitate the second person of the Trinity as far as possible. He yearns for a man over whom he will have complete control and who will perform his will as thoroughly as Jesus performed the will of the Father. Aren't you thankful that Jesus fulfilled the will of the Father? Amen. Well, you know what Satan wants? Satan wants a man just like that. 
that will perform His will. And He wants to empower him. And I want you to see in this text what a man who is completely under the control of Satan does. And you and I will be able to glean from that for our everyday life. We see, first of all, that he will exalt himself over every religion. We sang this morning the songs that we sang for a reason. He's going to exalt himself over every single religion. Look at verse number four carefully. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. It doesn't say that he exalts himself over God because he cannot do that. Oh, he might think that he can, but no one can exalt themselves and ever exceed, whether it's male or female, over God. Why? As we saying, because God is exalted. Christ is exalted over all. And so the Antichrist, he exalts himself over everything that is called God, over everything that is worshipped. And that's across all cultures, and that's across all lands. In other words, he exalts himself over all religion. How many problems in the world today seem to stem from religion? There's a growing consensus that religion is some force of evil. One of the ways that you hear somebody say this type of thing is what they'll say is it's like, oh, I want spirituality, but I don't want organized religion. Oh, I, hey, I want I want, I want spirituality. You know, I want, to, I want to think about that there's other powers out there, but I don't want that in any way connected to organized religion. That is the mood of our times. And it crosses many, many, many types of cultures. So I have no doubt that our time that we live in is ripe for a leader who's going to exalt himself over everything that is called God. He's going to exalt himself over everything that is worshipped. He's going to exalt himself over Islam. He's going to exalt himself over Christianity. He's going to exalt himself over Mormonism and Judaism and Hinduism and Buddhism and so on and so forth. He's going to say religion. It's the source of intolerance. Boy, don't you hear this all around you today? It's the source of intolerance. It's the source of violence in the world. It is religion that divides. And so if we get rid of religion, then we can have peace in the world. That message is going to resonate with millions and billions of people. They're going to be like, man, this is what I've been looking for. I've been looking for spirituality, but man, I don't want that connected to any kind of organized religion. Listen, I don't find this a very difficult image to see happening in our world, do you? And people hate religion today. So you know what the Antichrist is going to do? He's going to come in and he's going to exalt himself over everything that is worshipped. Secondly, he's going to proclaim that he is God. He's going to exalt himself over religion and over things that are worshipped, and then he's going to proclaim that he is God. We see in verse 4 at the end, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showeth himself that he is God. I want, you to, uh, I want you to think about this. So if the Antichrist sets himself up in God's temple, 
what does he replace? Well, then you need to ponder, well, what's inside the temple? Well, there are three answers really to the question of what, of what he's doing. At the center of the temple, there was a room that was 30 feet long, 30 feet wide, and 30 feet high. It was called the Holy of Holies, or in other places, the Most Holy Place. It was, it was behind the veil. It was what God tore from top to bottom when Jesus Christ said, it is finished on the cross. And in the center of that 30 by 30 room was a wooden box. It's called the Ark of the, who knows, Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant. And inside the Ark of the Covenant was a copy of something. Does anyone know? Ten Commandments. Exactly right. The law of God. So when we read about a man, hear me, setting himself up in God's temple, we now, 2018, we are to understand that he is replacing God's law. That is why the Antichrist in other places of the Bible is called the lawless one. He is seating himself up in the temple. What he's basically doing is like, I am now the law. I'm going to exalt myself above all religion, and I became law. Well, on top of the ark, obviously, was its lid, often is also even known as kind of the mercy seat, where once a year, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest was what was he supposed to do? He was supposed to sprinkle blood, right, on that seat, and it was to, you know, atone, be a type of what Christ would ultimately do. You read in the book of Hebrews that there's only one sacrifice now needed that's in Christ, and there's no more that are needed. But once a year, the high priest would come and he would sprinkle the blood of, uh, of their sacrifice on that mercy seat, okay, and it would atone for the sins of the people. And so when you and I, this all has a point here, when you and I read that this man, this antichrist, who is satanically charged, goes and sets himself up in the temple. He's saying, I am the law. And he's also saying, I am the sacrifice. I am the Savior, is what he is saying by doing that. And then also, when you think of the Old Testament, we, we read about how the glory of the Lord how it, how it filled the temple. And it did so much at times where the priests couldn't even perform their duties. We see one of those times in 1 Kings 8, and it says, and it came to pass, when the priests were come out of the holy place, okay, that would be the holy of holies behind the veil, that a cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord has filled the house of the Lord. And so when you and I read that this man, this Antichrist, is going to take up residence over here this temple, you and I are to understand that he is attempting to replace God with himself. That's why it says that he set him, sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming to show himself to be God. Is he God? Of course not. But he's going to act like he is. I'm the law. I'm the Savior because I am God. And as I close here 
this morning. Many times when I say, as I get ready to close, here's what so often people do. Okay, good. It's almost time for lunch. And it is almost time for lunch. Don't worry. How many of you are hungry? Man, after all that food, y'all are still hungry? Some of y'all need to take some of that home, please, okay? But what I want you to know is the next 10 minutes or so are so key for your life. Because oftentimes we think, oh, okay, everything's over. Now I can, I can kind of check out. I've gotten what I've needed. Great, we've learned about the Antichrist. But what does that do for your tomorrow? What does that do for your day? Ryan, how do I, how do I apply that to my week? That's all. It seems so distant from us. The Antichrist hasn't been revealed. It's so funny how people literally have lists of who they thought are Antichrist, and they take their names, and they look at the different numbers. I mean, someone thought that George W. Bush was the Antichrist, and so on and so forth, and people think that future leaders are. But you know what the key for your week is? The key for your week is in verse number 7. Would you please see it on the screen? For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Another message, that last portion. Okay, We'll get to that in future weeks. Don't even have time to deal with that this morning. But the very first, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. What it means is that the mystery of sin, see, because we don't know who this Antichrist is, but it's already at work. John says something very similar. Little children, this is the last time. And as you have heard that the Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. What John is saying, man, there's people all around that, that have the spirit of this Antichrist. What we've learned about the man of sin has an application to the spiritual battle that you will face today. Because the mystery of sin, it's already at work. That means that you and I, we are already up against it. What it means is that this isn't a future event. Yes, the actual coming of him, but, but when he's originally, or, or, or when he's revealed, but his spirit. It's already present. It's already already working. The spiritual powers that will be so fully and horribly manifest in the Antichrist, it's already working. When you know that, when you know this secret, when you understand who He is and what He does and how He will work someday, but His Spirit is working now, you and I, we're going to be able to discern our lives a little bit more. We're going to be able to understand what comes our way in our lives because the Antichrist, he puts himself in the place of God. The Antichrist places God's law under him. He becomes God's law and he is in the place of Christ's sacrifice. That's what sin is made of. That is Satan's work at the very core. Whenever you put yourself in the place of God, whenever you place, you see where this is going, whenever you place yourself above the law of God, 
whenever you begin to think, ah, you know what, I don't need to run to Jesus again this Sunday. You say it every week, Pastor. Just run to Jesus. Not again for salvation. He will always be what you need. It's the spirit of Antichrist. Working. The spirit that says, it's all about me. It's all about me. Don't care about anybody else. Spirit says it's all about me. It's all about what I want. This is what I'm going to do. Listen, listen. That's putting yourself in the place of God. Just recognize what it is. And you've got a greater spirit in you and the Holy Spirit that has dominion over this, this anti-spirit. You've just got to tap into that. The nobody tells me what to do. Pastor, you can't tell me how to live. Pastor, you... Listen. What we're doing is we're putting ourselves above the law of God. You okay? We're almost done. Understand what it is. You look at the Antichrist, and yeah, that's future, but I'll be willing to acknowledge before you this morning, you say, Pastor, this is an anniversary Sunday. Yeah, on a 44th anniversary Sunday, sometimes I see this spirit in me. The person that might be seated here this morning says, I'm not that bad of a person. You're such a good person that you do not need Christ's sacrifice. But I know each and every one of us in here need it. Do you see this in yourself? When you are in Christ, absolutely, your sin is forgiven. Praise God, the power of that sin is broken. But it's presence, right? It's not yet been removed. That old master is still there, but we've got, we've got the true master, which is Jesus living in us. The mystery of sin still remains in you. Hidden depths of pride, hidden depths of self-righteousness. If you and I are honest this morning, they lurk in our souls. They lurk in our families. They lurk in our lives. And that is the great battle of your life. So how do you overcome the Spirit that puts yourself in the place of God? How do you overcome the Spirit that puts self in the place of God's law and in the place of God's sacrifice? Well, we see in verse number 8 of our text. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus shall consume with the spirit of His mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of His coming or the splendor of His coming. What hope is there for you when you find this mystery of sin rising up in your life? Your hope is in the Lord. Your hope is found in Christ. It's in His breath. It's in His Word. It's in His splendor. Listen, last week, what did I try to encourage you with? To see the glory of Christ. Go back to what He's done for you. Go back to the, go back to the cross and see that He's rescued you from this Spirit. He's rescued you from this sin. We don't have to, we don't have to usurp the law. You and I, we don't have to usurp what Christ has done for us. You and I, we don't have to come to the place where we think that we are God. And you say, Ryan, I don't think that. Oh, but we so often do by our actions. So listen, what's the answer? Jesus. He's our victory. 44 years in and going on 45, Jesus to the glory of God. And I am praying that we will always stay centrally focused on Him because He is the one that can help us with this present problem. Yes, the Antichrist hasn't come yet, 
as we know yet, or revealed yet. Okay? He's not performing these signs and wonders that the text says, but we do know that that activity, that satanic power, is every bit alive. And I want us just to be honest enough to say this morning that it's not just in ISIS and in the Taliban or whatever those groups are, but that it's in the church as well. That it's in our lives. That it's in our hearts. And that it's in our families. And this morning, yes, on an anniversary Sunday, man, God gave me a green light to preach this. Every one of us, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, that's where you start. But listen, listen. Even if you do know Christ as your Savior, He is your victory. Run to Him again here in a moment in prayer. And say, God, would you... Would you give me the victory that has been found in Christ? I've already got it. Let me claim it in the area where I try to edge God out of my life, where I try to say, you know what, well, I don't need that law. And God, ultimately, where I say, you know what, I really don't need you. God, help me to live the victory that I have in Jesus Christ. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please.